Today we have Ben Bloom from Atomico visiting us here at SeedCamp. And today we're going to be talking about what a investment fund like Atomico looks for in companies. And to kick things off, Ben, maybe tell us a little bit about your background as an entrepreneur and some of the lessons you learned about building a small business that helps people with websites and how that changes over time. Sure. So back in, I guess, between 2005 and 2011, I was working for myself um, with, with small businesses, with individual entrepreneurs who had very entrepreneurial businesses, but in kind of very traditional sectors. So I worked for a, a woman that made stained glass windows. I worked for a, a guy that sold uh, premium photography. And it was the, the point where these guys were transitioning from selling everything in their, in their little stores on the high street to, to looking to put some presence online either kind of very early transactional websites or, or at least some kind of um, kind of public facing website. And at that time, these guys were coming to small web agencies like mine to, um, to, to get this presence up, and, uh, up there. And what's been really interesting to see, and there wasn't so many at the time, there were a few of the very early web builders, but they didn't have any of the kind of nice design, nice branding and kind of good tools on the back end. Um, and so we had to build those all from scratch. I think today, those same businesses would be going to tools like Wix or, or some of the kind of really great web builders that have fantastic tools, have really great template libraries, marketplaces and things. So I think that that kind of little, that little um, business line of sort of small agencies is probably gone today, but it was a really interesting opportunity at that time to sort of bring some of those early businesses onto the web. Excellent, and then when you joined Atomical, what, what was it that made you want to enter into a fund like Atomical? Was it the focus, was it um, stage? So, I think that I always wanted to go into a fund that really believed in investing in kind of disruptive technology. I think that that's always been at Atomico's heart. So Atomico was set up by Nicholas Enstrom, who was the, the founder of Skype. And he, when he built Skype, he took a, he, he took kind of peer-to-peer -peer communications, which was a, an existing, but kind of underutilized technology and really found a kind of core application that an internet to love for me. And so what Nicholas and, and people he's built around him always believed in was taking the kind of cutting edge and disruptive technologies and applying them to solve kind of real problems. And for me, that was a lot about what attracted me to Atomico and, and the fund and the kind of investments that they made. So let's go straight to what you look for. So now that you've been at Atomico for a while, walk us through the kinds of attributes that you look for in companies. Cool. So, I mean, we, we have a set of core beliefs at Atomico. We believe that, and these are kind of codified in our manifesto, there are kind of set of missions that we put out to the public in terms of what we believe, what we look for. And the first one is that what we say is, is now is the age of the entrepreneur. So it's a time when entrepreneurs and, and technology are really disrupting all sectors and, and all industries and solving very big problems. And so what we, what we look for in companies or what that translates to is that we're looking for teams that have, have a real vision to solve and change something big. So it's, it's people who, who take a, a big industry, healthcare, manufacturing, education, and see a way that they can take a piece of technology that they know well or their team know well and use that to make real change. That's kind of one of the first high level points. The second, we've always believed in great companies can come from anywhere. So we were equally as happy to look for an entrepreneur who's built their business in, in, in the UK, in, in Germany, France, Spain, the Nordics, as, as in the US. And I think that, again, what we're seeing, particularly in, in some markets or, or some cities that have a really kind of deep background in an industry or a sector, you can see fantastic businesses, entrepreneurs that, that really know that industry well and then can kind of come in and build a startup to solve a problem there. So if you look at somewhere like Munich, which has a great history in industrial manufacturing, we've backed great businesses there that are kind of applying that background to startups. The third, and really comes to the stage we look for, the third statement, scaling companies is in our DNA. So the Atomico team has been really 
built around um, bringing in experienced operators and entrepreneurs who have built and scaled businesses themselves and now work with the companies we invest in to help with that growth. And that can be in a number of different areas, talent, hiring, branding, marketing, um, kind of metrics-based growth. And so what we look for from that perspective is companies that have usually have a product in the market, they, they have a kind of a business model that's starting to work and some early signs of traction uh, and where we and that team can help them to, to grow and scale. And yeah, and so what that translates to eventually speak and, and kind of the last statement ready to scale at Series A and beyond is we're generally investing at Series A or Series B companies that are, are kind of looking to raise rounds of between five and, and $25 million dollars and really could use both capital and that scaling support. If, if uh, you hear how some founders talk in uh, lunches or dinners or at pubs, one of the key concerns that comes up is whether European VC takes enough risk, whether European VCs or VCs in general uh, are actually risk averse. What would you say to that? I think that the, the kind of historic risk appetite of European VC has been more risk averse than, than potentially the value. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. I think one is that with, with more capital, bigger funds, more bets in the US, you can be a little bit more risk averse in corners of your portfolio. I think what's great uh, and what we're lucky to be able to do at Atomico with, our, with, with the size of the fund we have is we are able to make some quote unquote safer bets, but we're also able to have a, have a part of that fund dedicated to kind of much more visionary and risky bets. And so Venture is about, I kind of believe venture is about taking risk, but it's about taking calculated and well-assessed risk and finding parts of an opportunity that you can de-risk, whether that's um, de-risking technology and, and kind of taking a bet on, on the ability of, of a team to commercialize that, or it's de-risking on team because you know that you've got a kind of set of very experienced repeat entrepreneurs and, uh, and taking more of a risk on, on their new opportunity or their new idea. So you mentioned that you guys focus on rounds of a minimum of 5 million, Series A, how do you reconcile that as a, as a stage and a quantum yeah. with what level of metrics are required and balancing that with sometimes founders working on something that will not be generating uh, metrics or revenue for a while, especially if it's in the space of you know, uh, something like a hardware product? Yeah, I, I think the, the last comment is the key one there. I think it's very different from business model to business model, from company to company. And so we have, we have like most VC funds, I think we have a set of, of guideline metrics we look for in different areas. So if you're an enterprise sales business, we have a set of, of metrics and benchmarks that we compare on that. If you're a consumer-facing marketplace, we've invested in a number of those businesses. And so we can compare against what we've seen in our portfolio uh, and gaming the same. We, we kind of know, we know what we're looking for. We have a good idea and we can, we can compare on metrics. But... I don't think any business should be assessed solely on metrics, but there are so many other dynamics. And, and particularly, as you say, in businesses where they're not generating metrics as other things you look for. So maybe touching on a few of those in different situations. Or for instance, we, we, we do invest in kind of hardware and deeply technical businesses. And there maybe some of the different things we look for where the product isn't in the market yet or where the kind of commercialization is very early. We would look for the, the kind of proven technical experience of the founders. So we're looking for founders who have delivered technology solutions in the same area before, maybe in a different company or, or in a previous employer, or, or founders who were kind of involved academically in that space before they, before they started their business. We're looking for validated commercial models, not necessarily them selling or validating opportunity, but going to market in a way that, that is proven to, to work or, or kind of where it's kind of proven that people will pay for the product or solution they're providing. Uh, you can also look for, and I think particularly in kind of more innovative or next generation technologies, 
I think there's all the benchmarking you can do of the technology itself. So you're not looking at kind of SaaS or growth metrics, but you're saying how how well does this technology perform against previous iterations? And, and we've definitely used that in, in some cases to go look. This technology is probably 20 times better in terms of performance than than the last version. And so that we know that that's going to be a competitive advantage as, as the business is brought to market. And then I think the last thing you can also look for, and we look for, of course, everything, but macro trends that are kind of supporting supporting some of the, the change that, that will make that technology successful. So, for instance, there are macro trends like uh, more streaming video on, online may, may lead to a product that provides better streaming video infrastructure taking off or being successful. So if we go back to, you mentioned two things where you had metrics, consumer marketplaces and SaaS metrics. Mm -hmm. For some of these other points that you made, like founders that have delivered value, in many cases, if a founder hasn't, then they're kind of, it's a binary thing they have or they haven't. Yep. But if they if they haven't and they're given a goal the way that, you know, like an Olympic, <coughs> a, Olympic runner might give a goal, what kind of goals would you place or what kind of parallels of consumer marketplace metric or SaaS metrics would you put as a as something for people to shoot for to really know that they're they're at that stage where they can approach you guys so let's take uh, let's take SaaS first and I, I think that there are a pretty well established now set of, of SaaS metrics that, that investors will look for I think there's the kind of the top line growth side of things so that's kind of ARR levels that that makes sense for different stages and I think that the the kind of rough rule of thumb of a million ARR for a Series A, maybe up to 10 million ARR for a Series B at a, a kind of a big, a big Series B, and then kind of stepping up based on that. Those are those are things that are a good guideline. They're by no means kind of hard and fast lines in the sand because of all the other things we talked about. But that's the first part. Also, growth is or growth rate is, is kind of clearly um, clearly key for for investors as well. So you're looking for businesses that. Are, are still at the inflection point of hyper growth, particularly when you're coming in at an A round. And so that kind of the SaaS rule of thumb again of triple, triple, double, double, double in terms of the, the revenue profile over the first five years of the business or, or the first five years post revenue is, is something else that we look for. But again, these are both rules of thumb. I think that then the kind of more nuanced things that, that you look for also in, in a SaaS business would be around um, sales efficiency and the kind of uh, and then customer lifetime retention and churn and so we with all these things uh, it, it's been great to see a lot of companies publish these things publicly and, and we have obviously a, a kind of data set from our from the companies we've invested in and so when we speak to and particularly after we've invested with founders we have a, a process that we go through where we identify the key levers of growth in in business with the founder we say to them look what do you think are going to be the key things that will drive you to the next round and then we try and put metrics against each of those and we're very supportive of those founders in terms of providing from our, our benchmark set those best metrics uh, what we see as best in class and, and helping them to kind of make plans to get to those excellent so now we're going to open it up for public questions so if you look at the European ecosystem, there are not that many large funds, and Atomico is a sort of a notable exception because you've raised this $767 million. Fund. So that gives you the firepower to support much bigger companies. So is that the overall plan to really go after, you know, big, big plays where you can write huge checks into sort of later stage companies? So we have the, the kind of flexibility as a fund to invest at A, at B, at C, to write, as I said at the start, five to $25 million checks. 
I think that where we feel we can add a lot of value is in that operational growth and scaling support, and different companies need and look for that at different times. So that can be very applicable to um, a company like um, Bitmovin that we invested in a couple of years back. That's a, um, a kind of single-digit million check for us, and, and we really help them to build out kind of part of their business um, and provide some of that operational and expansion support. But it can equally be applicable to a much bigger company like MessageBird that we invested in last year, um, a kind of much bigger check. And in, in that situation, they, they are a more established business, but there are still certain areas that they, they're looking for extra support in. And so we can be, with a larger company, we can write a bigger check and be more targeted in, in the help that, they, that we give them because they generally are kind of more developed in, in certain areas um, already. But we, we like to do a bit of both across our portfolio. When you look at the ecosystem in general in Europe, you have a lot of, I mean, VCs have a lot of interest for everything like, that comes with deep tech, like AR, AI, mm -hmm. all different things. How does that play for the more consumer product, like marketplaces, e-commerce side, because they're not really, I mean, they're implementing a lot of, you know, good tech, but it's not as trendy, maybe, or hot when you look at what's going on right now with, you know. Sure. So I think part of the, the reason that investors are excited and attracted to the deeply technical solutions is because they, they have a degree, if they're done well, they have a degree of defensibility. They have a degree of, of competitive advantage. If you, if you have a differentiated and leading technology, you have a, a, a stake in the sand of, of why you're going to be able to succeed commercially because you have a better solution. I think with, with e-commerce, with marketplaces, you have to be able to have an equally strong statement about why you're going to be differentiated and succeed. And I think that we we as a fund have backed a number of really great marketplace businesses in the last couple of years where it's experienced entrepreneurs, it's it's kind of people who we feel are exceptional operators and who are building marketplaces in in either less competitive or more recently competitive spaces. I think with something like pure play e-commerce, which is definitely kind of out of um, out of favor with, with venture funds at the moment. I think where you are seeing funds still investing is in direct-to-consumer brands. So I think companies not in our portfolio, but like Spoke have done exceptionally well in the UK recently. And again, it's because they've built a really strong product that people love and, and come back to. So I think that right across the board, it's about companies that are doing something differently and, and doing something um, that, that is kind of clearly valued and important to the, to the market and clearly kind of well-received. Cool. Thanks, Ben, for joining us. Thank you, Carlos.